I couldn't sleep that night and I was just trying to like, how can we help? Greetings and welcome to the Unleashed Generosity Podcast, exploring the intersection of faith, service, philanthropy, and community. I'm your host, Aaron Scott. So what is the point of this podcast? You may have heard about an internet news show that's gotten some popularity recently. We had a guy who's actor who's on a hit NBC sitcom, John Krasinski. Well, he's gotten pretty popular with this YouTube show called Some Good News. I really think that by episode five or six, this podcast will be more popular than Some Good News. You see, while he may have, you know, really good looks and a million dollar budget connections to people on the cast of Hamilton to come on to his show, what we have is much more grassroots. Sure, I can't call up my buddy Steve Carell and get him to come onto the podcast and reminisce about good times on the set of our hit show on NBC. But what I do have, thankfully, is some connections to some wonderful people doing some great work. The point of the podcast is to ask the why and to really talk with people who are doing interesting work in the world and to allow them to tell the story of not only who they are and the work that they do through their organizations, but more importantly, to give them an opportunity to talk about the why. What are the faith convictions or the values? What are the reasons why they're so passionate about their work? We're going to be interviewing clergy members and community leaders, leaders of nonprofits, donors and philanthropists, as well as people who are just starting their own grassroots community projects to try to help others around them in response to COVID-19. We're certainly in an unprecedented and unsettling time. And while it's been challenging to all of us economically, socially, uh, there's a lot of isolation and worry and fear and doubt. There's also been a lot of wonderful creative responses to this pandemic with people stepping up to help their neighbors, to help complete strangers, because they feel that it's the right thing to do to help somebody else in need. Well, I'd like to tell you a little bit about me. I've been married to my wife, Greta, for 15 and a half years. Together, we have three kids, a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 4-year-old. Uh, we spend a lot of our time together as a family, and we also spend a lot of time with our church congregation, Hopwood Christian Church, which is located here in Northeast Tennessee, where we live in Johnson City, Tennessee. Uh, Career-wise, I was a middle school teacher for five years in three states uh, before I quote-unquote retired from teaching and turned my attention to working in nonprofits. I worked in a few different faith-based nonprofits. Since leaving the faith-based nonprofit sector, I've moved into higher education, where I work at East Tennessee State University, raising money for the ETSU College of Public Health. But it's important to note that this is not an ETSU project, and I don't speak for East Tennessee State University. And finally, if you're part of the Enneagram cult, and I hope that you are, I'm an Enneagram number two. And today, I'm pleased to welcome our first guest. His name is Andy Dietrich. 
He is a community leader. He has been a past president of the Johnson City, Jonesboro, and Washington County Chamber of Commerce. He's also the vice president and co-owner of Champion Chevrolet car dealership here in Johnson City, which might seem like an interesting person to have a car dealer come and talk on a podcast that focuses on the nonprofit sector, volunteerism, and philanthropy. But as I think you'll learn from Andy's story, he's clearly somebody that is very passionate about our community and thinking about how as business people, it's their responsibility to come together and be a part of offering those solutions. Tell us a little bit about you as we get started. Um, tell us, uh, you've got kids and a wife, family yourself, live here in Johnson City. Tell us what you do for for work and just a little bit of background about you. Okay, I'm uh, married to Haley Dietrich and we have two children, um, Hagen. My daughter is 14 and Hudson, my son is 11. Um, and we currently live in Jonesboro. Okay. My wife and I are originally uh, born and raised in Kingsport. Okay. And uh, so other than going away for college and a couple of years working in Knoxville, you know, we've been here most, most of our entire life. So. Got it. And you've lived, obviously it sounds like different kind of corners of the tri cities area. Um, so tell us a little bit about uh, this fund and how the idea for establishing this fund came about. Well, um, the Kingsport, John City, and Bristol Chambers, NETA, NetRep, Networks, and SyncSpace created a website, um, oh gosh, it's probably been a month and a half ago, called regionahead.com, and it was a site set up <clears throat> to local businesses could go on there and put their profile information, what services they offered, you know, if it was a restaurant, if they were doing curbside, if they were selling gift cards, if, you know, if it was a t-shirt shop, you know, they could say, hey, we're still open, call this number, tell us what shirt you want, we'll run it out to you, to the curb, things like that. And so this was prior to the COVID-19 stuff. Mm -hmm. This was just a resource for small businesses to be able to get the word out about what they provide? Yes, and then, but then it just sort of folded into the COVID um, scenario uh, to show people who's still open and what services they had. So it's sort of, um, it, it, it was funny when it happened that they were able to mold it into this. And then um, basically what happened about, I guess it was the last day of uh, March. I was just, I'd gotten home from work and it, I'd, you know, started hearing stories about businesses struggling. Yeah. And every time I'd turn around, you'd hear a different story and you're like, wow, I didn't realize that this affected them so much, or I had no idea. Um, it was so devastating to certain businesses. And you kept hearing, I kept hearing these stories over and over again. And I couldn't sleep that night. And I was just trying to like, how can we help them? Yeah. And, you know, this site was set up to try to provide, you know, a resource for people to look at to see what, uh, what the business operations still look like. But uh, the next day I called uh, Mitch Miller with NetRep and I said, Mitch, you've got 230 plus businesses on here. What else are you going to do? And he said, well, we're going to try to do some more promotional things with them and let mm -hmm. people know, um, you know, maybe do some Instagram lives, Facebook lives so they can promote their business and things like that. And I said, Mitch, we got to go big. I yeah. said, at the end of the day, they need money. 
and um, you know they need a lifeline. They need a um, uh, a way to hold on for however long this takes. And I said, I know we probably can't. You know, there's so many business affected. You know, we we not going to be able to help them all. But if we could somehow narrow it down um, and try to raise some money, we will do that, and then figure out a way to get it back to them. So after we had that conversation, we got, we called Don Rains and Don Rains is one that orchestrated the nice longer children's hospital radiothon mm-hmm. the last seven, seven or eight years. And he was the brain child sort of getting that off the ground and still associated with it every year. And so we called him and said, Hey, we got to figure out a way to raise money. If it's a mediathon telethon, we can't, you know, the times are different. You know, we can't really have a radiothon with a bunch of people sitting in a room dialing. Right. Uh, you know, the times are different now. And uh, I said, we got to figure out a different way to get money. Um, and Don's like, yeah, I'm on, I'm in. So it sort of s- took off from there. We, I, I spent about seven hours that day on the phone um, calling all the chambers, the economic development agencies. Um, we brought in marketing companies, um, some other local business people, and at the end of the day, I think there's 38 organizations um, helping us with this. There's over 10 chambers of commerce. Every tourism outlet um, in, in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia, um, uh, every economic development agency from from both sides, and you know, it's it's I think right at 18 counties is what where we're trying to help. So yeah, basically, it goes from Greene County over to Scott, to Wise, to Lee Buchanan, Dickinson, up to Smith County, Marion, and then sort of it shoots down to Johnson County, Tennessee, down to Irwin, and back to Greene County, and every single thing in between. Yeah, so it's like eight counties in Northeast Tennessee and nine in Southwest Virginia or something like that. I mean, it's a huge geographic area pretty diverse area so tell tell listeners a little bit about i mean you've you've served and been involved in a lot of these regionalism talks do you feel like that's that was helpful to be able to have some relationship with folks to be able to call somebody who's maybe way out in wise virginia or way out in hancock county they don't you don't have a lot of daily interaction with them maybe but you've had some rapport in working with them in these regionalism talks was that helpful to kind of build consensus around what to do and how to do it? Yes. When this, you know, when this happened, you know, people started realizing we're better as one yeah. instead of having 14 different programs to try to raise money. Why don't we go with one and sure. we all can get behind it. We can all promote it. We can all direct either businesses to apply for a, a grant or or people that want to donate to one portal, the regionahead.com site. And it was, it was, it was, I've never been associated with something where every single phone call I made that day, that's where I spent seven hours. Everybody said, yes. <laughs> As a fundraiser, that's like my dream. That's a dream. Day. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not really, I mean, yeah, the fundraiser, but I mean, everybody said yes to helping in some sure, way, shape yeah. or form. If it's, you know, a marketing company offering their staff to create uh, PSAs to commercials to chambers, you know, willing to blast it out to all their members and come up with different ideas to help us make this successful. The economic development agencies um, throwing, you know, their their assistance in 
to uh, businesses. And, you know, it, it was, it sort of hit me. It was probably a week and a half ago. We were on a zoom call like we are right now. I had 36 people on a zoom call. Wow. And, uh, you know, I'm new with this zoom thing, you know, with all this pandemic going on, but that's a lot of people. Yeah. And that 36 people representing organizations, um, all over our region, wanting to help out and offer any assistance that they can. Um, you know, we, we got lawyers involved, we've got accountants involved to help, you know, we had to write a, uh, create a trust, um, to hold this money. This is something different because we couldn't create a nonprofit 501c to do this because you can't give back to businesses. Um, right. You could do some sort of loans and then you could try to go back in afterwards and forgive the loans, but that's just a lot of work. And so, so yeah, explain this a little bit more. So this is not a nonprofit organization. Gifts that come into this are not tax deductible, no. tax write-off, charitable gifts. They're charitable in the sense that if people want to help their neighbors who are business owners, the fund exists to try to help keep small businesses afloat. Yes, this is not a tax deductible deal. This is sort of like, you know, when you donate to GoFundMe, that's not tax deductible. Right. So yeah. it's just charity um, out of the goodness of your heart to help somebody. You know, what, what struck me that night I couldn't sleep is there's, as this thing we know was going to get worse, people are going to be stuck in their homes and they may feel the same way I do. They're like, how are these small businesses going to make it? And yeah. if I'm not really supposed to get out or maybe the way my body is, I, if I get sick, I could possibly die because of some pre-existing condition. And, but I can't get out and I can't support. What do I do? How do I help? Yeah. And, you know, I wanted to provide an outlet for them. They can go to the portal on region ahead and donate money, knowing a hundred percent of whatever they put in there goes back and we will um, give it to the neediest businesses across our region that are struggling to try to figure out a way to give them, you know, um, you know, a little bit more, cushion to try to withstand the storm and either open back if they're closed when it when it starts to pick up again or keep them afloat to help with rent utilities um whatever small payroll they may still have just mm -hmm. to try to keep them afloat to keep going because these small businesses are the backbone to our entire region they're the ones that support our kids little league teams um, they help with projects at school they donate uh, things to nonprofits. They, they represent on boards for nonprofits and yeah. you know, it's just a whole ripple effect. Um, so and practically speaking, like say I went online right now and I go to, I don't know that we've actually stated the exact website and I'll put it in the show notes for the podcast so people can link straight to it, but it's, it's region right? Yes. So I go on there and it's pretty clear that I can, if I'm a small business that is in need of assistance right now, I can go on there and fill out a short application and apply for a grant. Yes. And, and then I wait. can also as a donor, just go on the same website through a separate portal and just make a, a, a gift through a credit card deduction. Yes. There's right on the portal. There's two rectangle buttons. One says donate, one says apply for grant. Okay. And, what let me explain something too. We, 
you know, there's over 50 different business sectors out there. And with the regional economic, with our economic development agencies and chambers, they were able to pull data that shows what is anticipated to be the top 50 hardest hitting um, businesses per this pandemic. And we tried to figure out a way, we narrowed it down to the top seven hardest hit. Okay. So one through seven, and that's the arts, entertainment, recreation, accommodation, and food services, retail trade, and manufacturing sectors. And so we've got those businesses and sole proprietorships is they're the top seven showing to be the hardest hit. And then we narrowed it down even more if you're in one of these and have 50 or less employees. Okay. Because if you, if you think about it, would a 300 person employee manufacturer benefit from $5,000? Or would a, a small business that employs 10 people benefit from $5,000, right. which would, which would make the most sense. And that was one of the questions that I wanted to kind of, you know, scratch the surface on a little, or we're just scratching the surface on, but going a little bit deeper, some people would say, well, why would you create a fund to, you know, to try to pool money to help for-profit businesses uh, when there's nonprofit organizations or there's families that are hurting, um, talk a little bit about the logic of what you're thinking, especially like some people are thinking, well, isn't that the government's job? So like the government passed this $2.2 trillion uh, stimulus program, and some of that money was earmarked for small businesses. Tell us a little bit about your logic behind why you think this is an important thing that needs to happen, even in addition to the government programs that have been set up. Well, the United Way is currently doing a drive right now. It's a regional drive that is helping individuals, families, and nonprofits. Yeah. And we didn't want to step on their toes, and they can't give back to for-profit businesses. Um, yes, you, the question has been um, asked about why would you help a for-profit business? I don't think any for-profit business could, unless, you know, if you're, if, if it's, affects you if the COVID-19 pandemic affects you I don't think you have a way of planning for that sure. if you're a small business I there's nothing like this has ever happened yeah it's really almost any, yeah in anyone's lifetime and so you know it, they've given so much back to us all of us living here in this region why not stand up and say hey we appreciate everything you've done for us. Now let us see if we can help you all out yeah. in your darkest hour. And, you know, it is unprecedented, you know, to give back to a for-profit business, but, you know, we've got to help people stay on payrolls and keep them out of, keep them from being unemployed. And if there's a way to prop up a business till this thing starts taking off again, they can hire back, these people that have been either furloughed or laid off, that'll get our country, that'll get our region going again. Because if we don't, we're going to be set back so many years from trying to recover from this. It, it's, it's, I couldn't just not try some, I couldn't sit here and not do something. And so I feel like I've pulled in the brightest minds and, and uh, our biggest regional players to, be a part of this and come up with a plan to give back. So we, we created a grant application and it's, you know, it tells you what kind of business you have. Um, have you received 
federal money? Have you applied okay. for money? So we know that. So you can take um, that into consideration if they've already received another type of aid. And as we know, I mean, we're recording this on the 24th, Friday, April 24th. There was just another wave of funding passed by the House yesterday that's getting ready to go to President Trump's desk, but it's been widely covered by the media that that first wave, the $2.2 trillion, the entire small business chunk has already, that fund has been exhausted. So there yeah. are churches and small businesses that were in the pipeline getting ready to apply and were basically frozen out from accessing that funds, those funds because of the, uh, basically just the surge and the, the national need across the board from so many small businesses being in need. Well, I mean, there, there will be small businesses that may not have a relationship with a banker sure. or an accountant to help them with this application to f apply for the money on the national level. Right. And, you know, if, if you've read anything about it or any of the viewers have read anything about it, it's, it's a complex thing to try to fill out. It's a, it's really hard to get approved for. And if you don't have someone in the banking in industry or a great accountant, there's a good chance you're going to screw something up and not get it. Yeah. And, um, and I'm not saying we want the, the grant. We have an anonymous grant committee made up of people all over the region. And I'm not saying that people that have applied for it and gotten it and they apply for this, they're not going to get it. I'm not saying that at all, sure. but we need to know going into it if you've gotten it and, or have you applied for any, you know, there's other grants and other SBA loans out there. Right. Um, and that was we, one of the we, other questions is like, so how are you all, you know, nonprofits usually have procedures and protocols for who their population is that they serve, what, you know, how they make determinations. So since this thing has really just been emerging kind of on the fly, and like you said, just really out of a personal desire to do something to respond and be helpful, have you all discussed kind of criteria as they're going to try to be sort of, uh, an equity in terms of geographic distribution to make sure that it's not favoring certain counties or certain regions. And can you tell us about either what you estimate to be the size of the average grant or are those things that you all are just kind of working through as you see the thermometer raise on the number of dollars donated? It, well, you, you said it there at the end, we don't know how much we're going to give back until we figure out how much is coming in. But here's what we're going to do because there's some people in desperate situations. Yeah. We're finally going to have our grant committee is going to meet for the first time um, this coming Monday. Okay. And we're going to, we're going to hopefully then start reviewing applications and putting money out as soon as next week. So you want this to be a rolling thing because you guys have already yes. gotten some money. So you don't want to sit on this money. You want it to, no. we'll continue to fundraise. And if we get more in great, but let's get the money we've already got yeah. out to people. I mean, there's people barely hanging on. Yeah. Um, there's uh, heartbreaking stories. We've all heard them. Um, and I don't have, I don't have an idea what a set amount will be. I don't know if it'll be tiered. Like if you right. have, and, you know, there may be, you know, people may be asking for certain things, but we're going to be able to, we're going to give back to them that qualify um, the most we can, but we have to split it up with hundreds of businesses. Sure. And um, it's, it's, like I said, that's why we've narrowed it down to smaller businesses where, 
if you give them several thousand dollars, they'll be able to make it work a lot better than if it's a large company. And, um, um, you know, this is all new. We'll make mistakes. Um, we will learn quickly from our mistakes, but I do have, you, you said the fairness piece. Um, I have bankers, we have bankers, financial instit or financial institutions, college and universities represented, represented on the grant committee board, uh, business leaders, um, chambers scattered in Tennessee and Virginia, all on this committee. So there will be, you know, you could always say, well, Tennessee get more than Virginia. Well, it's spread out so that everyone that's on that grant committee represents yeah. basically the entire region. Right. And You're trying to be unbiased as much as you can. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, and I, I don't know if, if you, we may have a big donor come forward that only represents a certain geographical area and we may have to earmark certain funds. Sure. But if we, you know, that, that really hasn't happened yet. We've had the question asked, yeah. but if, if it's a large donation from somewhere, you know, that's, let's say it can only be used in the state of Tennessee, then we'll have to do it or we won't get it. Right. But hopefully we'll have that on the Virginia side as well. Right. Um, and we will make this as fair as possible. We will distribute the money as fair as possible. Um, it, this is, this is not like this is something that happens every year and we've got a sure. business business model. Um, but, um, we've got some really bright minds and, and, uh, people on there that are compassionate and really, really care about our region that we will do the very, very best we can to help as many people as we can and get the money back out as quickly as we can. And it'll take some time, you know, to edit and get this, you know, podcast launched, but just so people kind of have a sense on how things are going so far, as of today, Friday, April 24th, do you have a number you can share with us in terms of how many dollars have come in or? Um, I would share that um, I did an interview last night with WCYB and I would for sure say $60,000 in six days. Um, I have some big asks out that I'm supposed to know about next week. Okay. Um, we still have, you know, the commercials just really started running right. earlier this week. So money's rolling in through the portal. We're, we're getting um, some donations. People are mailing them in. Um, you can, if you mail them, you can mail them to it, the John city chamber is handling the mail. If somebody wants to mail a check it's 603 East market street, okay. Johnson city. So you can mail a check that way. Or if you go in the portal, you use your credit card, of course. Okay. Um, but, um, you know, we're going to raise as much as we can. I would assume that this will be, going throughout the end of May and probably toward the end of May, we will stop it. Um, but you okay. know, there was some public, there was some publications that came to us said, Hey, I, you know, this thing just started really started going in April. Um, and my publication doesn't come out till the first week of May and I want to do an article on it. I want to put an ad in there for the region ahead site. So we're plan we ha we had to plan for that to give them a chance to, um, try to help market us. So everybody's been wonderful with this. That's contributed. They've given hours upon hours of their time and they're all working for free. So a hundred percent of whatever is donated will be turned back around and given to the hardest hit businesses in our region. That's awesome. Like you said, United Way is going to be doing things, you know, all other nonprofits are doing things. We're doing stuff at ETSU where I work. I mean, it's a time where it, 
we need we need everything <laughs> it's not one yeah. or the other we need and is the word this and that we look forward to seeing I guess one last question in terms of just uh, seeing the impact, whatever the fund does close down, will there be like a list of maybe not grant amounts, but you know, we were able to do uh, 70 grants to 70 different businesses and the average grant amount was X or here are the 70 businesses that received support. Will there be some sort of way for people who do contribute to the fund to see what the impact uh, was of their giving? I would assume that at the end of this, there will be some sort of, um, I don't know, press release showing. says, hey, we raised X amount of dollars. Yeah. We were able to give that back to X amount of businesses. Thank you um, for your support. Um, yes, we will give some sort of update. I think, you know, for privacy reasons, um, sure. unless somebody, a business just wants to do like a PSA type deal for us, um, we will keep that private, what sure. we give back out. Um, it's up to them if they wanna do anything on social media saying that they received it, that's that's totally up to them. But one other thing that, um, you know, if you're listening to this, give if you're, if you're able to give from your heart and give knowing that um, we're helping these people that have families and small children, and also employ people that have families and small children. Let's let's figure out a way to help them. And if you're struggling yourself, don't give. I'm not. I don't. I, I don't want to put anybody that's already in a in a place of hardship. I don't want to um, hurt them anymore. Uh, but if you if you have money sitting aside and you've been somewhat blessed during this pandemic, this is a way to give back to these small businesses that I've always given so much back to the communities they represent. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for your heart and uh, your leadership on this. That This is exactly the kind of thing, in addition to a sort of established nonprofits that the whole point of the podcast was to kind of just tell stories about why do people do what they do? Uh, what, what are some loving, charitable, giving things that are going on? And um, we're seeing a tremendous amount of need, but we're also seeing a tremendous amount of creativity and uh, generosity and love and compassion rolling out. So I appreciate you uh, and the work you're doing with the, uh, the regionahead.com uh, initiative, and we will yep. link to that. Um, and Andy, I appreciate your time today, and I look forward to uh, connecting with you soon. Thank you so much, sir. All right, brother. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Welcome to what I think will be an exciting segment of the Unleashed Generosity podcast every week, where I will stop talking and will instead yield the floor to a young person, a child, to get their perspective on generosity, philanthropy, giving, charity. And we'll do that in an interesting way by not only asking them a little bit about what they see going on in the world that's good and bad, but I'm also going to try to make this a little educational fun thing by asking them a quiz question. Greetings. Welcome to the podcast. Happy to be here. Why don't you tell us your name? I'm Isaiah Scott. And how do you know me? Uh, you're my dad. Are you excited to be on your first podcast ever? Sure. You want to tell everyone who's listening a little bit about yourself? Who's listening? I don't know. Probably like five people. Yeah, probably.
All right. So the five people that are listening, what do you want to tell them about you? Uh, so I am 10 years old. Um, my, my hobbies are basketball, Rubik's cubing, soccer, building Legos, stuff like that. Cool. Mm, that's about it. Do you think that your dad's really cool? Cause now he has a podcast. Maybe. Do you think you'll be famous now that you're on my podcast? Maybe. Do you think we'll get to go, like, go on TV or something? I expect not, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the podcast is about generosity and people helping other people. What do you think about that? Mm, I think generosity is a good thing in life. It's a good thing to be focused on donating stuff to charities, give, giving free stuff away. That sounds like I told you what to say and you just answered what I said. That's not true. <laughs> Why do you think it's a good thing? Um, because it's giving to people. And, and as the saying, giving is better than receiving. Yeah, that is a good saying. Do you feel that way? Like when you give something to somebody, does it make you feel good? Yes. How come? Because you get to see the smile on their faces. Mm-hmm. How do you feel when somebody gives something to you? It's really happy just seeing what I get and playing with it for the first time. If it's some type of toy or it's a book, reading it for the first time mm -hmm. and seeing the imagination grow in my mind. Yeah. Well, we had a previous guest earlier in the podcast and they, they used a term and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to see if we could uh, give you a little quiz about that term to see if you could define it for us. So I'm going to give you a multiple choice question. Okay. All right. So the term is a trust. Trust. Okay. So trust A, a legal way to hold and protect assets for a future purpose. B, a pizza made at scratch brick oven pizza shop in Johnson City where you allow the staff to put whatever they want on it. C, an activity at summer camp where a person stands up on a picnic table or a high bench, turns around and then falls backwards, trusting that the people will catch him or her before they hit the ground. Or D, all of the above. C. Just C? Just C. The answer is actually D. Oh, okay. Why'd you choose C? Just because I felt like it, it was like the only one that showed real trust. Mm. Because it was it was like the only one that had the word trust in it. Yeah, and, I probably and, shouldn't have said trust in the definition. Huh? Yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, that was my bad. I, I, I um didn't say that because it had the word trust in it. I mean, the it could be a good answer, but um, I just said it because. If you're about to fall and, and, and you're expecting for people to catch you when you fall, then then that's supposed to be called trust, I guess. Trust is when you're kind of like putting your Hands your in. belief in somebody else. Yeah. It's, well, that's kind of what the scratch pizza thing is too, though, right? Like we're trusting that they're going to make something we like. Like we're giving our oh. pizza decision. Like we're not deciding what our toppings are going to be. We're completely relying on them to make the decision for us. Scratch pizza is good. Yeah.
it is good. Um, and, and the way that, that Andy was using the term though was option A, a legal way to hold and protect assets. So he was talking about the money that they are raising to support small businesses is all going into this fund or this trust. It's like an account that holds money. Oh, I thought you said illegal. That's why. I no, not illegal. Yeah, no, it's, it's legal. So that's good. Well, thanks for being our first person to come on the podcast and take the trivia question. I'm sorry that you got it wrong and didn't win the million dollars. Wait, it was a million dollars? Well, no, but I mean, that would have been cool. Maybe if we get some good sponsors, we can do that. Yeah. And maybe I actually will win a million. Yeah. Well, that would be good. I'd be happy if you won a million dollars. I'd give you 100000 Really? Yes. Since you're my dad. That's awesome. All right. Well, anything else you want to say? Well. I think that's it. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for this first episode of the Unleashed Generosity podcast. I hope you've enjoyed our, uh, our time together. I appreciate our guests, Andy Dietrich and Isaiah Scott, for joining us. I'd also like to encourage you to check out our website, which is www.unleashedgenerosity.org. Uh, You can also find us on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram. I'd like to thank Daniel Cooper, my friend, who uh, provided the music generously to us for today's episode. You can find his music at his website, which is danielcoopermusic.com. That's Cooper with a U. And uh, we hope that you'll join us for future episodes. Uh, You can, again, subscribe to the podcast on our website, which is www.unleashedgenerosity.org. And uh, we look forward to uh, seeing you next time. Until then, unleash your own generosity. Generosity.